Hey, Hope family, welcome back to another Hope Daily. You'll remember last week or so when we talked about Joseph being a bit naive, if not arrogant, in running his mouth about his dreams. There, I told you not to be like Joseph. Today, I want to encourage you to be like Joseph. You'll see why after we get through our story, and today's story comes from Genesis chapter 39. But before we get there, it reminds me of Paul's instructions to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, where he says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You probably already know what story I'm talking about with Joseph, but In this story, Joseph kind of preempts Paul's instructions here, and he puts fleeing into literal action. So let's read Genesis 39, starting in verse 6. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She called him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So a story that is likely familiar to you. And while it only takes a minute or so to read, we are told that this happened for a while. She spoke to Joseph day after day. Eventually, when she takes matters into her own hands and grabs Joseph, he literally flees. He runs away. But note that the fleeing started much before the running. We're told that he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. Joseph responds to this initial come on by telling her the obvious. This is terribly inappropriate. I won't sin against God in this way. And that was the end of it for him. His mind was made up. And I imagine if she was making advances day after day, that she wasn't always so forward, but that she mixed up her strategies. Okay, Joseph, I understand. You're right. That would be inappropriate. But you know, today, I, I just want to get to know you a little bit better. Why don't you stay and have your lunch with me? I just want to talk. Joseph, I know I was wrong, but now you're just being rude. Can't we can't we sit and have a conversation? But Joseph didn't have time for it. He refused to even be around her. He was not going to create an opportunity for sinful desires to sneak in to his own heart. There is obviously wisdom in this, but we justify so much in our lives. 
It's easy to see in other people's lives or on TV shows and movies when the man and the woman have a few, you know, semi-flirtatious interactions at work. Then they go out to lunch together and the guy explains to his friends, it's just lunch. You need a little help with something. Stop making a big deal out of it. And she tells her friends, it's just lunch. He's just being nice. He's married. We know the end to that story. We've seen it play out in front of our eyes, both on television and in real life so many times that when it's someone else's story, we know it's a bad idea. But we so often make room for sin in our own lives. We justify it. Well, I can talk to this person. I can watch this show. I can stay up a little bit later. I can go to this party. I can fill in the blank. We believe that we can. In another familiar story found in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we read, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Just as we justify our actions, David here makes a seemingly justifiable decision. He's getting up there in age. He's fought many battles at this point. His men can certainly handle this one by themselves. And so in the time when kings normally go out to war, this king remained in Jerusalem. And what happens next is a political drama that puts to shame anything I've lived through. The king uses his power to take this woman, impregnates her, impregnates her has her husband killed, and then marries this woman. All because David made a justifiable decision to not be where he was supposed to be. Joseph, however, refused to do this, and we should refuse to do this as well. Pastor Andy Stanley out of North Point Church in Georgia has several powerful and practical teachings that I can't really summarize in this short of a podcast, but I would encourage you to check out his teachings on the principle of the path and guardrails. Both challenge us to live wisely and to recognize that every choice we make is a step in a direction towards a specific destination. We should be careful then that the steps we are taking are pointed towards a destination we want to arrive at. We cannot entertain sin hoping to outsmart it at the end, right before it gets us. We must take it seriously and protect ourselves from it. Joseph knew it was bad to sleep with his master's wife, but his boundary wasn't don't sleep with her. Anything before that is fair game, but I won't sleep with her. His boundary was I will not even be with her in any way. This doesn't mean that men should never be alone with women or vice versa, but clearly there is a time and place where that is inappropriate and we need to know. Joseph knew the intentions of this woman. He knew any potential weaknesses of his own flesh, so he created proper boundaries so that he could avoid sin. What are the boundaries that God is asking you to take in your life? Unless you think this is only in regards to sexual sin and temptations, let's go back to Paul's instruction to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. Again, verse 22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. The evil desires of our youth, or as other translations render it, our youthful lust, aren't always sexual in nature. Paul says to flee the desires of your youth. Therefore, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because they produce quarrels. When was the last time you were in a quarrel with a brother or sister in Christ over something that was ultimately foolish or stupid? I dare say it was probably far too recent for most of us. 
Paul says to flee these pointless arguments. We don't have to fight to be heard. We, we don't have to fight to be right. That is a youthful lust that we should flee. Instead, we should strive for peace and love. So take time this morning and reflect on where you have been leaving the door open for sin, whether that's sexual sin, pride, gossip, or fill in the blank, and ask God what boundaries you need to have in place so that you can flee when sin comes knocking day after day.